In the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, and God, Amen. So, um, as Abuna said that last last uh, Wednesday, we uh, talked about the fasting of St. Mary, and we talked about what the feast is about. And uh, a lot of people, as we said, don't know what this feast is about. So we discussed that last time. And the focus was more about the end of her life uh, instead of the beginning, because the end of the life, the end of her life, showed us what the feast is about. Um, like Abuna said, today we're gonna do it backward, kind of. Thank you. Today we're gonna talk about the narrow gate. So, um, as the Lord said that. He, he wants us to go through the narrow gate. And he said, because there's so much glory waiting for us if we go through the narrow gate. Versus if we go through the beautiful, easy life and uh, that's full of, you know, joys and desires of the world, which does not lead to heaven. So the biggest example for us, uh, you know, a person who actually went through the narrow gate for real was St. Mary. So today we're going to focus on her life. And we're going to see how um, she lived like a lily among thorns. And in the, so- the Song of Sol- uh, Solomon, it says, two, uh, chapter 2, verse 2, it says, Like a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. So we will, if you want with me, imagine the Lord from above watching her throughout her life and looking at her and saying, Like a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. Um, as we all know that St. Mary was very quiet and the Bible didn't say much about her. And she was, the Bible didn't say much about her because she was very quiet. And also the verses, the few verses that we heard referring to her, for example, was Luke 2.19. It said, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And also again, Luke 2.51, but his mother kept all these things in her, in her heart. So even the verses that were referring to, to St. Mary and talking about her, they were saying how much she was quiet too. So the Bible didn't say much about her. That's why it was very difficult to get you know more information about her and we referred to that book from last time. Um, she was never the one to go around and, and talk about her, her son. And, you know, she knows that she has, her son is, is Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the incarnate God. But she never went around and she was very proud of her son. Like, you know, she comes from a very similar culture as as the Middle Eastern, like you know, the Middle Eastern culture. They like to talk and show off their kids, and you know, you see like moms in our church. If like a mom has a has a son that became a doctor, became a lawyer, became something big, you know, they always go and show off and talk. But she was not a one to do that. She was very quiet, very humble. Never wanted that attention. Now we all say, "Oh, Saint Mary, lucky, you know, blessed." She. Um, she was, she, was so, she was the one chosen for this mission. But we don't think about her life and actually think about what she went through as a human living in, on this earth. And that's what we'll talk about. We'll talk about how the Queen of Heaven lived actually through uh, a narrow gate in her life. So we're going to talk about how this lily is among thorns. Let's talk about the thorns that were around her. The first thorn, of course, as we all know, is St. Mary. She, she struggled and she had a painful life from the time she started understanding things. So the first thorn was the being deprived from her parents. So she's deprived of her parents as a child. And 
as you guys know the story, her parents were Joachim and Anna, and they could not have children for, for a long time until old age. So they prayed. They took Hannah, the, uh, the mother of Samuel in the Old Testament, they took her as an example, and they prayed to, to God to give him a child, and they promised that if this child, if God gives him this child, they will devote him or her to the temple. They kind of didn't think about it, what if it's a girl? So they, they just made a promise to God, but then, and then God granted them a child. She was, she, Anna came, became pregnant, and then she had a child, and then the surprise was the child was a girl. So now what do we do? We've never had this situation before where, you know, the person is, who's going to be in the temple is a girl. So they went to the high priest and they said, what do we do? This is, this is you know, that's the situation. Should we keep our promise? Or now that it's a girl, we shouldn't. So they gathered, and after a long discussion, they said, you know what, a promise is a promise. If we made a promise to God, then you have to offer your child, even if it's a girl. Just bring her to the altar, and then when she hits, you know, when she gets older, we'll deal with it. So that book um, that we referred to last time mentions a few few little details that were very interesting. So at two years old, um, Joachim asked Anna, should we take Mary to the temple? So Anna said, you know what, I think she's a little bit too young. Give her one more year so she doesn't go there and ask for her parents a lot. So when she was around three years old, um, the parents said, okay, it's time to take her to the temple, but how are we going to do that? How are we going to take a toddler to a temple and convince her she's going to stay there with no parents? So they had this idea of having kind of like a procession going to the temple. So they called out the little kids in their family, in their, in their neighborhood. And, you know, it's a small village where they lived. So the people who lived there, the, the um, relatives, the neighbors, and all, that, all the little kids came. And they gave them lanterns of light, and they had a procession to the temple. And as they approached the temple, as they approached the temple, little Mary was all excited with all the singing and with all the procession and all the kids that are walking with her. And she's following, and all the line of lanterns that's taking her to the temple. And... Um, on top of the stairs was Zechariah, the high priest, who was kind of related to them, as you know, as Elizabeth's husband, and he was waiting for her to receive her. And when he, when he saw Mary, and, and it says that Mary didn't even look back. She kept going, even as a little child, she kept going. And he, he received her, and then the Holy Spirit uh, made him prophesize, and he said wonderful things about what this baby or, or a toddler is about to bring to the whole world. And how special she is. Um, so this was her first thorn. From that day, she was sleeping in a corner in the temple of uh, of uh, Solomon. Now, if you think about the temple of Solomon, it's probably be like probably 30, t- 30 times as big as our church. So imagine a toddler sleeping by herself in this huge, big place, dark at night. I mean, think about it even as adults when you go to a church when it's dark and no one is in it. Some people feel intimidated, you know, by the holiness and and it's dark and, you know, it's it's not easy. So imagine this three-year-old sleeping by herself. I mean, imagine too as parents how many times you make sure that your kids are covered, your kids are fine, your kids are safe before you go to your bed. So imagine this toddler like getting thirsty or hungry in the middle of the night and she has no parents to take care of her. So it's really difficult. But all this, she even at very young age, she was going through it with submission and acceptance, but the Lord looks down at her and says, Like a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. Moving to the second thorn, 
which is her job in the temple. So um, her job in the temple was actually very degrading. Um, when the offerings would be brought to the temple to be offered, part of the process was that they open the animal, whatever it is, lamb or whatever it was, and they have to clean, they, they have to gut it, they have to take all the guts out, the, the abdomen, the organs that's not edible, all these yucky, disgusting things that, you know, they need to get to get it out, and if they see it as defiled at the same time, it's, it's disgusting. So her job was, as little Mary, as a little child, standing there with a basket in her hands, filling those basket, baskets with those yucky gut stuff of the animals to go through them um, in um, a valley called Hanum Valley. That was around 600 meters away from the temple to throw it, to throw it away there. So her job basically was not even to take the trash out, but it's to take disgusting things out. So she's standing there as a child seeing blood, the sight of blood, the smell of this, all of that. Think about that and keep it in the back of your head. And then um, say like they had at least 60 to 70 offerings a day. It would fill probably, each offering would fill probably like two baskets. So that's like around 150 baskets a day to throw. Very merciless, and, and the atmosphere in the temple at that time was very rigid. It's like a military. And this little child working, this degrading job, working day and night, I mean, I just I cannot imagine what kind of childhood this is. While our kids at this age, they're at home, they're comfortable, they're playing, they're fed, they're, they're clean, they're washed. But think about what kind of life she had as a child. So after sunset, there were no offerings, according to the Old Testament tradition. So around, say, 6 o'clock or something, she'll, she'll go, she'll wash, she'll clean a little bit, and she does not rest. But she knows that she is a servant in the temple. She will go to priest houses to clean for them, to help priest wives that are pregnant, to, to help them cook and clean, bring vegetables to the houses. She was always a servant for everyone around her. Um, so that's why, and we'll talk about this later, that's why when she heard that Elizabeth is pregnant. No one told her what to do. The first thing came to her mind, she's pregnant, he's a priest, that's my job to go serve her. Um, so she lived as a servant in the temple with a very degrading job, struggled and accepted it. And she was going through it with submission and acceptance. But the Lord looks down at her and says, like a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. Um, it's very, very beautiful um, to read the, the prayer of St. Mary when she met Elizabeth. Um, that was like, that, I think this is like something so precious we have that finally St. Mary says something and we actually recorded it, which was in Luke 1, 47 to 55. She said a beautiful prayer. I um, really encourage you all to read it. And part of it says, For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. He exalted the lowly. So she sees herself. She just heard that she's going to be the mother of God, yet her prayer is that she's the lowly and his maidservant. Now, as a teenager, St. Mary was very pure. She kept herself very pure. She didn't deviate. Now, nowadays, you, you, you hear about you know, kids who didn't, go, you know, didn't have good parents, who gave them enough love. They give themselves all kinds of excuses to do anything they want. And they say, oh, because they didn't have a good childhood. She didn't, you know, the girl didn't have a lot of love from her parents. 
that did not exist to her because she filled her love and her emotions with, with God and she never deviated and she kept herself pure and focused on the Lord. Now the third thorn is her life outside of the temple as a younger. So she came to an age like 12, 13 and they said, okay, now she cannot be in the temple anymore. She has to go somewhere. So what, what are we going to do with her? Her parents were gone by then. So even that, her parents would visit her once in a while, but even that, she lost. Her parents passed away when she was young. So they didn't know what to do with her. So there was a group called, you know, called the elderly group, where some old men who became widow, like their wives died, or they never got married to begin with, who dedicated themselves for the service. But they were like a group of older, older men. And as you know, one of them was uh, Joseph the carpenter, who was around probably 90 years old. Um, they gathered together... Or they, the, actually the high priest decided that they're going to give her to one of those people in the elderly group. So remember there was no monasticism at that time. So this, is, this was kind of like an early, you know, um, glimpse of monasticism, those group of elderly men who, who um, were dedicated for the service. So the priest decided to give her to one of the elderly and um, to get her engaged to one of them just to have, you know, something... Uh, formal or official why she's in his house. So they cast a lot and it, it landed on St. Joseph the Carpenter. Again, St. Joseph the Carpenter was around probably 90 years old. So if you watch, for example, one of my greatest, one of my most favorite movies, Jesus of Nazareth, this, th they show that Joseph is actually a young guy um, as if they are a couple they are engaged in about to get married. This is a big mistake actually. Um, St. Joseph was a very old man and she joined him. She lived with him at that point. It's as if she's actually like serving her, her uh, grandpa, you know. Imagine she's 13 and he's 90. So to her, he was like a grandpa figure to her. So she lived with him. At that time, I know the engagement thing is kind of confusing, but at that time they had something like, you know, like the Jewish tradition. That's kind of similar to the Muslim tradition. When they say katab kitab, that means like officially is his wife, but they're not married yet um so it, this is what's engagement to them so they they wrote that and it was um officially you know uh to the public like as if it's that's his wife but of course she lived as as if she was his grandchild basically um so the thorn comes when you know she thinks it's all going to be much better i don't have to deal with all this hard work in the temple anymore i go from the big temple service to serving a man in his little house it's getting a little bit better right so even no it's not going to get better right for her it's a narrow gate remember so before you know it she has an archangel appearing to her archangel gabriel appearing to her to give her big huge news it was very interesting to, to the bible that when the bible mentioned that saint mary was troubled when the angel came she was troubled because of the greeting she wasn't troubled because of him, because she just saw an archangel, you know, which is interesting because it shows you two things. First of all, the fact that she got troubled because of the greeting, not the angel, it tells you that she has seen angels before. And she has been actually, um, like last uh, Wednesday, we talked about how one of the things that Christ mentioned um, in a dialogue is he said, I'll take care of you. After I leave earth, just like I, I sent you the angels to feed you and to take care of you in the temple. So she lived among angels. She's seen angels. And the second thing is she got troubled because he said, 
Hail to you, full of grace. So I heard um, a very beautiful saying. It says when somebody's very humble, he gets troubled when he hears praise, not when he hears the opposite. So you know a person is troubled when he cannot tolerate somebody telling him, this is great, we love you so much, or you're doing such a good job, or he does not like that this is uncomfortable, you know? Opposite to someone who's who has a lot of pride. He wants to hear that, oh, this was good, oh, you're really doing a good job, and, you know? Um, I mean, I don't mean encouragement, but I mean praising. Like, they don't like praises. So when she heard an archangel, Michael, uh, Gabriel, coming to her to tell her that she's full of grace, she said, uh-oh, what's going on, right? So it's interesting because... The angel spoke from Luke first, from verse 21 to 38. He talked and talked and talked, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And he talked and talked and talked, and St. Mary was so quiet. And, and it must be embarrassing for the angel. It's like, I think I talked too much. She's very quiet. I just, I'm just trying to imagine. And all she said was, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it to be to me according to your word. So after she heard that she's going to be technically the queen of heaven, She's going to carry the Savior of the world that everyone's been waiting for for thousands of years. Now she still calls herself maidservant. And that's kind of striking for me because it's embarrassing for us because sometimes we're called for service and we pick and we choose and we think we're too good for this. And we, you know, we're like, oh, I'm too tired for that. Uh, no, not today. Or no, I'm not interested in that anymore. I want to do this. I mean, St. Mary, who just got the news of be of She's about to become the mother of God. She still calls herself maidservant of the Lord, who she's going to be his, his mother. So it's something just to think about. And she keeps it to herself, which is even more striking. I mean, imagine someone like very old in our church who saw like a little cross of light or something. She'll be talking about it and she's going to tell the whole world about it. But this is a 13, 14 years old who just had an archangel appearing to her, giving her the biggest news that the world has been waiting for, but she still keeps it to herself. And of course, that was the beginning of trouble, right? Beginning of a different, totally different road that's completely a narrow gate for her to, to start this mission. So when she hears this, that, and when Archangel Gabriel tells her about Elizabeth, as we said, the first thing that comes to her mind, I'm the servant of everybody. It didn't even click, like she didn't even have to think about it twice. Automatically, I don't care if I'm going to be pregnant or not. I'm going to go to serve Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth lived far. So St. Mary was a young woman who walked for a few days. It was probably two or three days of journey on the mountains and forest at night in the morning. She was very strong. Like as much as she looks, she has this beautiful spirit and, and pure and you feel like she's like a dove. But she was very strong in endurance. She endured a journey that was very difficult for anyone, anybody to handle, especially at this age and at that time. So she went to Elizabeth, and then the Bible says that she left. She stayed there until the end of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Remember, St. Mary was pregnant too at this time, so she was probably three months when she left her. And, uh, you know, some of you here would know how harsh it is to be pregnant in the beginning of the month and all experiencing all the pains and the, the symptoms and all that. But she didn't care. She was focusing on her service. And she left when it was time for Elizabeth to give birth, and she went home. And sometimes you think, why would she leave? I mean, she's serving her to be up to the point where she gets the baby and to be part of this whole thing. But St. Mary liked to serve in quietness. She knew that 
once this baby's coming, everyone's going to be gathering. Everyone's going to be in the, in the house, and they'll see me, and they'll say, oh, look at you, Mary, you've been serving her, and they'll give her praises. But she decided to leave, just like she quietly served her, she quietly left home, and she went back. Now, she went back to Joseph, and then, you know, a few weeks later, he started noticing more and more signs of pregnancy. And that's a total different level of torture, emotional torture, to see in his eyes, you know, the looks of, you know, doubt, doubting her purity. And she still does not defend herself. So um, that's, that's a very painful, it's, the emotions is very painful as a, as a young girl who lived very pure all her life to see that. And then to know that if God does not defend her, she'll be stoned. She might be stoned. So that's, that's a very difficult thing to go through at this young age with no one else to support her in her life. All this that she's going through with submission and acceptance. But the Lord looks down at her and says, Like a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. When finally God told Joseph the truth, and Joseph, of course, regretted the misjudging to Mary, and God defended her and told him. Um, then now, next thorns is, you know, the big moment. The birth of the Savior of the world is coming. So, like, she's, I don't know what she was expecting in her mind, but how is this going to happen? The Savior of the, of the whole world is coming. You know, St. Mary and Joseph, as you know, they had to go and travel and register themselves in their own cities. And, of course, that was a providence because, as the prophecy says, she's supposed to be, the Savior is supposed to be born in Bethlehem. So they ended up being stuck in Bethlehem when she had um, her labor contractions. She was in enormous pain when there was no place for her to rest. Going from one place to another, all they've got is a few things with them, sitting in a donkey, very uncomfortable time. Imagine being nine months sitting on a donkey on a, on a long journey. I mean, I just can't imagine the, the roughness that she's going through. And then she's having contractions and she doesn't know where to go. Where is this going to be? Where is this baby going to be born? Where? So Joseph goes from one place to another, and no one is accepting them. You know, imagine those people, had they know, huh? Imagine those people who said, no, I'm sorry, I don't have room. Imagine if they knew that this is the mother of Jesus, and the Savior is going to be born in their house. Can you imagine that? But sadly, no one accepted her. And Joseph turned to her and goes, Mary, I don't have any room for you. I don't know what to do. There's only an animal place. She said, animals? I have no problem with animals. I lived with animals. I saw... I saw animals being uh, offered I saw blood of animals I'm so used to the smell of animals just take me Joseph I'll go again the queen of heaven the mother of God no problem for her something like that it just shows the level of humility and what kind of person she was she's okay with that she doesn't care now think about what we think the hospital should I go here should I go there I don't know if you guys have seen Hogue Hospital in Newport Beach you go in you have a view of the ocean that's hotel. Imagine the savior of the world was born where? In a manger. And St. Mary, completely fine with it. Last time when we, I came here for a liturgy, I was looking at the altar and like inside me, I was so embarrassed. I was like, I'm sorry, Jesus, that we're in the parking lot and you're here. But you know what? It's, you know, I thought about it right away. He was born in a manger. It's not like he was born somewhere glorious to begin with, you know? He's always like, haram, bad mind. So... Um, so they had the baby, of course, there, and she was happy with the baby, right? She, see, she sees her baby, she's all excited. Before you know it, 
she gets the angel's message to Joseph, you have to escape. You have to escape. Somebody's after your, your child. They want to kill your baby. Again, think about it. She's probably around like, what, 13, 14 at this time. So she's very scared, of course. And they leave to Egypt, and they stayed there for two to three years. Two to three years not having a home, going from one place to another, staying here, staying there, trying to get some comfort here, trying to, to, to get, a, you know, to have a good night's sleep in that place. Of course, the journey to Egypt, the trip to Egypt is amazing, amazing. There's too many, like, amazing stories about it. There's books about it, amazing. I'll tell you one very quickly. Uh, for example, one time as they were escaping, they stopped by a field of watermelon, a farmer who, who had a field of watermelon. So it was a time when they actually started planting the seeds. So they just threw the seeds recently, and they're waiting, you know, it's going to take a few months until the watermelon ripen and, you know. Anyway, um, so St. Mary, they had a stop there, and the guy was very nice, and they took him in. They spent the night, and then she got news from somebody told her, be careful, they're coming after you, they know you're here. So they told the farmer, you know, please tell when you have any, the soldiers come and, uh, after us, uh, because, you know, as you know, Herod sent soldiers to chase him. She told them, um, just tell them that, I, last time I saw them is when I started planting my watermelon, when I put the seeds in the in the field. So following morning, St. Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus, they left. And then a few hours later comes the soldiers. We heard that the baby was here and his mother. Where are they? So the guy says, last time I saw them was when I first started planting my field. They look at the field and overnight the watermelon were done, were were like ripened so overnight so of course when the soldiers saw this that means you know i saw she the farmer saw them a few months ago so it kind of like basically distracted their way of following them so um it's just one of the things just to show you how much they're struggling from one place to another there's the, the tree that she rested under there's this place where she like they went everywhere a trip for a few years like two or three years they went from north to south they went all over the land and that was tiring and imagine escaping it's not tourism like we were if we go to Egypt we go to all the monasteries and we have fun they're escaping they're moving because somebody's about to chase them and to kill the baby so she all this she's going through with submission and acceptance but the Lord looks down at her and says like a lily among thorns so is my love among my daughter among the daughters um, after they go to Nazareth Jesus at 30 years old, he starts his mission, and he is too busy for her. So he goes to different cities to to preach and to you know on his mission with his disciples, which takes him can take him a few months away from home. So she was left alone with nobody. Joseph passed away probably when Jesus was like around 16 years old. So jo Mary was alone, was by herself, and Jesus was very busy, spending lots of nights praying in the Mount of Olives. Um, just not around her. So she was left alone a lot, and she was um, looking forward for her to be with her son, who was very busy to be with her. Then before you know it, the news of Jesus being wanted by the Jews come to her, which is leads to the biggest thorn, of course. So they, they want to arrest him. They're looking for your son. They're going to kill him. Now think about it. St. Mary knew that he's going to be the Savior of the world from day one, right? Us, as parents, or future parents, 
When you have kids, you know the end is going to be a happy end. You're expecting them to grow and to either, you know, go to become something big and get married and bring kids and have a happy life. She knew that this child of hers is going to have a great ending for everybody, but her soul is going to be pierced, like just like uh, Simon the elder told her. So she's looking, I don't know what, she, what she's looking forward to. I'm sure she wanted because she has so, a lot of strong faith. She was looking forward to salvation for the whole world and for herself. But for her as a mom, to think that her child, her son, is about to be tortured and killed in front of her eyes, I cannot imagine what she feels. Um, so this was, of course, the biggest thorn of her life when she sees her son shedding his blood. And I can only imagine... And it was me and Abuna actually were contemplating about that. I can only imagine St. Mary standing there in front of him or by the cross and seeing his blood when she saw so many offerings and sacrifices were offered as just like the Old Testament, right? When she was a child waiting to fill the baskets and she's looking at all the lambs that are being slaughtered. At this moment, she looked and she saw the real true lamb that the whole world was waiting for shedding his blood. So I just cannot imagine the feeling of her. And of course, as you know, after resurrection um, or after crucifixion, St. Mary lived with St. John, the beloved, but he was, but she was hiding because at that time the Jews were seeking the disciples and the mother of God, of course, especially. And so she lived also in this uncomfortable feeling of escaping and hiding. Um, even after her death, as we said last time, in her funeral, somebody even tried to push her cast on the to, to cast it off the floor and the, or the ground and degrade it and, and burn it. And it, it was just even after her death. Okay, well, skip all that. Even until now, some churches believe that she's like an eggshell. She's not important. She did her mission. Don't mission. Don't call her saint. We don't glorify her or praise her. You know, it just does not. I don't know. Anyway, so she's accepting all this and God is looking down at her and he's calling her a lily among thorns. Now, what made her survive all this? Just like he's looking at her as a lily among thorns, she looked up to him and says, like an apple tree among the trees of woods, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down in his shade with great delight and his fruit was sweet by, to my taste. This is also in the Songs of Songs. So why apple? Why did she call him an apple an apple among trees of woods? Okay, an apple, of course, as we know. We don't know what kind of fruit uh, Adam and Eve fell for, but we call it an apple. Why? Because apple is the summit of the fruits, right? It tastes good. It smells beautiful. They make lotions after the apple. It's nice for the sight. Um, and it's very healthy for the stomach and for your body in general. And it... it it's, it's like a healing for diseases. So it's the summit of the fruits. And why the tree of woods? The tree of woods is a type of trees that's full of thorns. So just like St. Mary's life, the world is full of thorns, but she sees Jesus as the apple in the middle of all these thorns. That's, that's worth it to go through it to get that apple. So she looks at him and she says, like an apple tree among the tree of woods, so is my beloved among the sons. The sons, You're my only food, my true heaven. With you on earth, I do not need anything or desire anything. So I will end it here, but just want to say that when we are pressured with problems in our life and um, struggles, 
even if it's emotional, if it's sicknesses, if it's health, if it's family, if it's job. Remember the suffering of, G- of uh, St. Mary. Remember how her life was. Remember the narrow gate and just place her icon in front of you and remember what she went through. And she's a great model for us um, that went through the, the, the narrow gate and she's now the Queen of Heaven. May her intercessions be with us and um, happy Feast of St. Mary to all of you guys. Glory be to God forever. Amen.